This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is digital editor Al Lunsford with Lynx. Welcome to another season of the Lynx Golf Podcast. Uh, our first episode of season 10, double digits now seasons for the podcast. Thank you for listening and, and supporting us along the way. Uh, we have a brand new list of things to talk about, new people to talk to. A lot of familiar faces will come back on the podcast this season, starting with none other than Joe Passoff, who again joins me uh, after Joe and I just met each other for the first time on a recent trip of mine to his home state or his current home state, Arizona. I had a lovely time out there on a, a little golf trip, played a few times, and we'll get into that as we talk about Arizona golf, where Joe happens to have played over 200 courses uh, around the state. So if we're going to talk Arizona golf. It might as well be with someone who has that kind of pedigree and expertise on the state. Joe, thanks for joining me again. How you been, man? Al, I've been just fine. Been enjoying uh, some excellent uh, golf weather out here in the uh, Valley of the Sun, as we call Phoenix, Scottsdale, and the surrounds. And, um, you know, mixing it in with watching a little football, uh, some of Kapalua's golf, uh, a plug for Hawaii with what that looked like on the telecast, but um, no, Arizona's uh, good and, and I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Happy new year to you. Um, let's get this going. We're going to start out with a, a new segment we're going to introduce on the podcast this year. Uh, we, you may have seen uh, a few topics in our Sunday newsletter of links insider uh, where we've put up a teed up topic of the week is what we call it. So basically just a, a reader response topic. Uh, we want to hear from you guys, your answers to some of our burning questions that we have uh, and share those answers in the, the subsequent edition of the newsletter. Um, you may have already seen that, may not. If, if you haven't, go subscribe to Links Insider. You can do that on our website, linksmagazine.com. Uh, but we wanted to also introduce that as a podcast segment and and share some of our thoughts on those topics. Starting with the first topic that we introduced uh, is simple. It's one we all kind of think about, especially as a new year turns. And that's what course is at the top of your bucket list. Where do you want to play most uh, when you dream about playing golf in that bucket list round? So... Joe, I can start with you. I can get your answer if you've if I've given you enough time. A full disclosure: I gave Joe about two minutes to think about where he wants to play. So his answer is certainly not drawing off the top of his head. I know he's thought about this for a long, long time, as he can sense my sarcasm through the screen. Um, or Joe, I can read a few answers. Maybe it actually inspires your answer to change. Perhaps I don't know. Um, where would you like me to go with this? You want to hear from some of our readers first? Well, Al, um, I've got the course in mind, 
but I'll defer to you if you want to toss out a couple of readers choices, be uh, very curious. Okay. Um, sure. I, I'll go through. Uh, this was a, a well-responded question uh, on from our readers uh, in Links Insider. Uh, and you had a lot of familiar faces, obviously. Um, we saw Augusta National sprout up quite a bit. St. Andrews, Crystal Downs is in there quite a few times. Cypress Point. So the usual suspects. But a few uh, very good answers. Some people, you know, just kind of give the the course and that's their answer. Other people kind of elaborate as to why. Um, so a few of our favorite answers. Um, this is an answer from David D who says with the haunting vision of Slane's castle as a backdrop, which inspired Dram Stoker to pin his historic treaties, Dracula crude Bay is certainly my choice as a bucket list links to challenge my shot making skills. I uh, did not know that before David let us know that Cruden Bay was the inspiration for Dracula, or at least the castle in the background was. Had you any idea about that before, Joe? I did. I've been lucky enough to play Cruden Bay uh, four or five times over the years. And, um, you know, I, um, yeah, I, I mean, at least the last round I played there, I played like a vampire. <laughs> and it was it was not a sunny day and uh, my scores reflected it but um yeah cruden bay is you know it's one of the elite it's not even a hidden gem anymore um but it's so much fun because there's so many distinctive holes and green complexes uh, in addition to being next to the next to the sea uh that i i can certainly understand bram stoker and dracula or not why uh, anybody would love to go play uh, Cruden Bay. It was a nice mix we had of international courses, U.S. courses, public, private, uh, kind of all over the board. Here's another one. John R. says, Chambers Bay, the course has matured beautifully after the U.S. Open. Plus, my nephew is stationed in the Army at nearby Fort Lewis, where he caddies. Uh, salute to your service to your nephew, John. Thanks for that answer. Uh, we also had Christy M, who gives us a newer course that's in the works, Teori Links in New Zealand, designed by Corin Crenshaw, and right next to Tara Edie, which is wonderful. Have you played golf uh, out there? You know, there was a big splash 20 years ago. I think it's about 20 now, when uh, Cape Kidnappers, uh, Tom Doak's course there, opened on the heels of Kari Cliffs, and both were uh anointed as world top 100 courses but doke's new one uh is uh eclipsed even both of those and then a new product from core crenshaw that it promises more public access uh again that's got to be right near the top of anybody's bucket list who wants to do some serious travel that's a wonderful looking property um they actually just sent us some images recently for a piece we did uh on courses that are opening in the near future in 2022. Um, so please go check that one out. Um, here, I'll read a couple more. We saw your Pebble Beach turn up quite a bit. Um, let's see. Rick D says, I would not have to travel far for the course at the top of my list, being a Massachusetts resident, the country club in Brookline. Classic design, great history, and an opportunity to enjoy walking through the clubhouse would make for a very special 
day. I'm sure it would. And a lot of people will get to see that course here this year uh, as it hosts another major championship. We sure are. Yeah, I was uh, employed at Lynx Magazine in 1999 when uh, all of us went up to cover the Ryder Cup and uh, created some fantastic memories from that event, one of the most memorable Ryder Cups ever. So uh, those are all some good choices. I've got a different one, but, um, you know, I respect every one of those that's come come up so far. Sure. And last one, Dewey M. writes, Cabot Cliffs in Nova Scotia. I played a lot of great courses, but only had one to play before. But if I only had one to play before passing, it would be a trip to this wonderful Kaiser property. Uh, that course is high on my list too. It, it might, might not be the bucket list course for me, but it's one I, I really need to check that uh, resort off my list. And timely, we, we just, yesterday we're recording this podcast, but yesterday uh, Cabot announced the new, their first U.S. property with the acquisition of World Woods in Florida to become Cabot Citrus Farms. So a topical piece of news on top sprinkled on top of these uh topic of the week answers for you you like you like how i mixed that in there joe i know that that one hit you good absolutely <laughs> all right well now that i've given you sufficient time to think a few more ideas and thoughts joe pass off what course is on the top of your bucket list well i've played uh, of the ones that are open i played almost all of them that you mentioned um, so my choice actually is a little closer to home, meaning the United States. It's in Grand Haven, Michigan. It opened last year and it's called American Dunes. And it's a Jack Nicholas golf course. And, uh, you know, what it's all about is, uh, the folds of honor and Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, uh, who is a PGA member in addition to being a fighter pilot, the only one of the type that's out there. And together, uh, Colonel Lieutenant Colonel Rooney and Jack Nicholas decided to uh, revamp an old, uh, somewhat popular public course, but on land that was just being underutilized. And uh, so they cleared all the trees, there's sand underneath, and from everything I've not only seen and heard, but talked to veterans that have played there, the golf course is worthy in and of itself because so many of the trees have been cleared. You've got some terrific views of Lake Michigan. You've got sand dunes to play through. You've got, the, of course, the typical classic stylings and strategies that Jack Nicholas introduces to a golf course. But you've also got a tribute to the folks that have served and served their country and died for uh, at this golf course. And you enter through a, an effective, uh, almost a tunnel. There are walls there. And I've seen the photos um, and there's stories depicted about <clears throat> people who gave their lives through military service. And, um, and they do things like at uh, one in the afternoon, 1300 hours military time, um, 13 bells chime, they play taps. And even in the bar, even in the pro shop, on the golf carts, there are videos, there are memories of military and golf and Jack's career as well. You know, without having to pick any kind of political party, you can say as an American, 
you what a great way to honor those who have served our country by going to see this facility and play what's probably a terrific golf course, American Dunes. I love it. And you, I, you probably don't know this, but uh, I actually had the chance to go to the opening of American Dunes. So this is the rare course, I can't believe I'm saying this, that I've played that Joe has not. That, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. We can end the episode right there if we want. Um, but no, you hit the nail on the head. It is, it's special. It's a different kind of, of golf experience. About a 45 minutes to an hour west of Grand Rapids. Um, so that's where I flew in to play. Uh, and it's, it's everything you said and more. It's, it's kind of a um, almost spiritual kind of golf experience. Um, seeing some of the pageantry and the, the patriotic nature of this course, uh, it kind of humbles you, puts you in a different mind space, especially when you're talking about going through, walking through that tunnel. Uh, there's several plaques of fallen heroes and all the things they do to commemorate the lives that have been lost from our military and pay tribute to them. It's really cool. All the proceeds from that course or, or profits from that course excuse me uh go to back to the folds of honor foundation uh which lieutenant colonel dan rooney started and uh it's it's great it's on top of all of those things it has become a very good golf course too uh and definitely worth seeing so i hope you get the chance to in 2022 joe well it's good to hear that uh, appreciate the recommendation you know yeah all right i'm a little jealous that uh, al beat me there <laughs> But, um, you know, good for you, because uh, as I say, I've talked to three veterans that have played the golf course and what it meant to them. And, um, you know, really uh, very, very special and so different from almost all the golf that we can contemplate playing. Definitely. And the course at the top of my bucket list, you ask, is I'm quite certain that you've played here. I've actually, you know, I'm going to do the whole thing where I... I'm going to pick two courses instead of just one, but uh, the number one is uh, the old course for me is it's a bucket list experience for everyone. Um, and I'm no different. Uh, Got to get there and check that off my list and uh, back in the States. So these two, I think are both crucial parts of my continuing golf course education. Uh, the other would be sand Hills. Uh, there in Nebraska. So um, it needs to be done. You know, I've read enough about both of those courses to understand their significance uh, in the history of golf course architecture. And it's a right now a missing piece of my education. So I, those two courses are grouped together on top of my bucket list. Two exceptional choices, Al, in that. Uh in my humble opinion, uh, Sand Hills, I would call a game changer. The old course in St. Andrews is a game starter. Right. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a sui generis. That's a, you know, that's, that's where it all uh, evolved from anything we ever learned or compared. And, um, and, and that's reason enough, not just who's played there, but understanding how golf courses evolved, everything started there. And, you know, people agreed with certain concepts, disagreed with others. But, 
you know, man, oh man, go get those two done. I'll do my best. I will try my very hardest to get that done. And not surprisingly, both of those courses were also answers from others on uh, our list of responses. So thanks to all who responded to that. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at materials at linksmagazine.com if you'd like to share your answer about the course on the top of your bucket list. Or if you have a topic you want us to explore, please feel free to send us an email. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Now we're on to the topic of today's conversation, and that is golf in the great state of Arizona. What's the state nickname of Arizona? The Grand Canyon State. Aha. Well, that's very apropos. I didn't get the chance to see the Grand Canyon itself, uh, but there are many of Grand Canyons in the state. Uh, mountains and desert. I, I went to the Sonoran Desert to play uh, on a recent golf trip in December in Scottsdale, um, where I was experiencing some of the best golf there is to offer in Scottsdale. Actually, the approach of the trip was for me to play uh, a few places that if I were going to play one of the top tier venues and on a realistic, uh, practical type of golf trip, uh, where I may really be able to afford just one of those, you know, true North or TPC Scottsdale stadium, or, um, I don't know what else would be on that list. Maybe you can tell me more about that, Joe. Uh, but what else would you play? What other courses would you see? Uh, so I got to, uh, experience some of those, you know, mid range venues that are, are really, really popular, uh, really well thought of in the Scottsdale area. Um, chief among them was Wicopa, uh, which is where we started the trip. And I had been out there with my father to play the, uh, maybe you can help me with the pronunciation. There's Choya, which Choya? is the one that we played, uh, that I saw you. And then Saguaro. Saguaro, uh, is the Corcoran Shaw course and Choya is designed by Scott Miller, both ranked in the top 10 among public courses in Arizona, um, the core Crenshaw course being at the top, if not number one on that list. Um, and as Joe said, we met each other right after uh, one of the par threes on that course. What have you enjoyed about your time at Wico Paw playing there over the years? I assume you've played it uh, more than a few times. I think that's a fair assessment, Al. <laughs> I was at the grand opening for both courses and, um, and the second one, uh, the newer one, the, uh, the Saguaro course by Corin Crenshaw, uh, was really, really special at the grand opening because I got to play nine holes with Ben Crenshaw, uh, for the front nine and nine holes with Bill Core on the back nine. So, um, you know, it's an absolute treat. And actually, um, 
it is the first place of all the places in the Valley of the Sun, it is the first place that I would recommend out-of-state visitors to play. Now, I'll you know, hedge the bet a little bit and say, okay, as must-play bucket list check-it-off, TPC Scottsdale Stadium course is elevated above everything else because you've watched the Phoenix Open on television so many times and you've seen Tiger's ace and you've seen all the highlights and you just got to say you played that PGA tour course, but for the essence of golf in the desert, Wika Paw personifies it best of everything, not only with two good, fairly distinctive designs, but because it's on tribal land, and so neither golf course has homes lining the fairways. They don't have roads cutting through them or anything. So you get the purity of golf in the desert without kind of getting on a tee box and thinking, I don't want to slice this one into somebody's you know, front window um, and things like that. So even though there are some other fantastic golf courses on my you got to play list, Wika Paw stands head and shoulders um, because of the fact that they are both rolling terrain and terrific di distinctive designs, but no homes on either one of them and outstanding mountain and desert views. Yeah, that's always a special treat for a public venue like that to not play as if you're you're playing any old public track where um, you could knock out somebody's window at any point in time. Or you just just having that natural undisturbed setting uh, is something that set, definitely sets Wika Paw apart. It's part of the reason I brought it up as the first first course I played, but also the first course we're talking about here. Um, and to kind of segue into one of Joe's other assignments that he just completed, to be on the lookout for in our winter issue of Links, uh, we have a recurring series called home game uh and the home game this time was on phoenix essentially the concept is if you want to make a road trip tour around the state or around uh a big city such as phoenix we profiled atlanta houston washington dc among other places uh in previous iterations of this but what joe did was come up with a, a map, uh, a price guide, price point that could be easily done by um, anyone looking for a great golf trip around Phoenix. Um, and we could pause on that list, obviously. Um, before we get to further courses that are part of that rotation for you, Joe, for someone who has never played desert golf, what do you think are the distinctions? What, what just makes it a different type of experience from any, any sort of other golf course, I guess? Well, Al, I can give you my perspective, but really I like Tom Weisskopf's perspective better. And Tom, of course, designed or co-designed a whole slew of wonderful desert golf courses, including the TPC Scottsdale, True North, um, and, and many others, many private courses too. But I did a story with him 30 years ago and 
he told me this. He said, by law, we can only irrigate 90 acres of turf. Consequently, most of the new courses are target oriented. On the plus side, this makes for a unique, dramatic look. The striking contrasts of green formality against the, rusert, the rugged desert backdrop. And it was a, just a very nice way of putting it because Tom and I both grew up in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio, which is filled with parkland golf, wall-to-wall -wall grass, most of them you know, heavily treed. Cleveland was once known as the forest city. And um, you know, so desert target golf is absolutely reason number one why you should come out to Phoenix or the warmer destinations in Arizona because you can't get it anywhere else. It's different desert golf than Vegas has. It's different desert golf than Palm Springs has. It's because there's in the elevations and the latitudes that we're at and all that science stuff, let's just grow saguaro cactus. Those big tall things with arms branching out, they look kind of welcoming sometimes, <laughs> unless you get your ball stuck in them or you know, you get too close to it yourself. But, you know, there's a lot of purists out there and who are, you know, huge readers of links. Um, ultimately, I'm a purist myself, and we all have that love of links golf and the ball rolling. But in the desert, you had to adapt. They stopped letting you do wall to wall turf because of water restrictions in the late 1980s. So consequently, golf went to target golf. And the problem with target golf is it's if you miss a fairway, it's hard to recover from the desert. You don't even necessarily want to go out and find your ball. Um, by the same token, as Tom Weisskopf mentioned, it makes for a really striking look. So, you know, even Tom told me, you know, it's at minus one in terms of recoverability. That's such a big part of golf and championship golf. And it's sometimes next to impossible in Arizona, in, in the Valley to recover from the desert. But it's so cool looking at it and you can't get this precise look anywhere else. So that's where I'm a cheerleader for come experience desert target golf because it's unlike any place else. It really is striking. I mean, you see the images from uh, TBC Scottsdale every year, but uh, big, sometimes humongous strips of green surrounded by uh, nothingness, you know, brown uh, dirt and sand uh, from the desert. And like you said, there's plenty of cactus out there that are plugged full of golf balls. If you want to take your try at reaching through the, the prickles to, uh, to get a ball in case you need an extra. Uh, and there's also plenty of reason not to try to go find your ball if you happen to miss those fairways, because uh, like what happened to my dad and I, we're riding in a cart. I think this was actually when we were playing Weekapaw. And what looked like just a stick routinely in the, in the cart path uh, ahead of us, when our playing partner drove over it, uh, it sprang up to life and sprang at the guy's cart, uh, which we quickly came to learn that that was a, diamond back rattlesnake and we proceeded to just kind of you know after 
recovering from the shock of just seeing it there and in, in, on the cart path, uh, kind of watched it as it went away uh, and slithered into just some some shady area brush, uh, a rare tree on the course right next to the fairway, and you would never know it was there. So her, you know, good recommendation, I think, most courses have the warning signs out there telling you about this, but don't be a hero and try to go find your ball in the desert. That would be my recommendation uh, if you so happen to lose one. And uh, you're probably on vacation out there anyways, so there, there will be plenty of times to, to keep serious score uh, without having to go to the hospital. Anyways, my two cents there. But it is a lovely place to play, and quite a pleasure to do so. Uh, where else, since we're still in Scottsdale, Joe, uh, where else is on your, your rotation of places that you would recommend someone play they're coming to Scottsdale on a, you know, one-time basis? Well, Al, you know, I mean, I think you've hinted at it, but Scottsdale is the Mecca still. You know, Phoenix, its other suburbs all have really good golf, but the very best of the breed of desert target golf is in Scottsdale. So, you know, Weekapaw is actually technically a little bit further east and on the Fort McDowell, uh, you know, reservation. But um, Scottsdale proper has True North, which has two, again, exceptional golf courses. Tom Weisskopf did 18 of the holes with Jay Morish, his former partner, and then 18 solo. And then they split the two courses and did nine with one, nine with the other. So you have configurations of the last 15 years or so of the Pinnacle course and the Monument course. And, um, you know, I, I had a low handicap friend of mine, you know, come out here on a golf specific trip for Scottsdale a number of years ago. He put True North at the top of the public courses. And he was a pretty long hitting three handicap. And he just felt that outside of the incredible scenery, playing through these huge rock outcroppings and over, you know, what we call arroyos, kind of dry desert wash with all kinds of scrub and saguaros framing the fairways. But true Norse courses offered the best tests of golf. So for a good player that wants a challenge to have to bring your game up a level, you know, a few force carries into the greens and, and so forth. Um, you know, True North scores incredibly high. The thing about Weekapaw is that the fairways, especially on the Coor Crenshaw Saguaro course, are really wide. And most desert fairways are wide because there's no traditional rough out there. There aren't typically trees to knock a ball down. So designers have to give you room to play. So yeah, if you find yourself hitting a lot of fairways, you know, that's, that's one reason why. It's not that intimidating uh, to find a fairway. So True North absolutely jumps to the head of the list in terms of the shot values and scenery. You have Greyhawk, which doesn't have quite the elevation change that True North or Weekapod does, but it's a little closer in to Phoenix while being in Scottsdale. Absolutely fantastic vibe. Two tournament courses, one by Tom Fazio, one by David Graham and Gary Panks. The NCAA championships just took place on Fazio's Raptor course, and they will again next year. Uh, excellent drama coming down the stretch. 
And again, not quite as many sharp drops and, and drama, but the drama lies in the, in the shot values of having to keep it out of the desert and uh, some of the really big, deep bunkers on the course. So all of these typically, Al, are 36 hole complexes. I mentioned the TPC Scottsdale, uh, the stadium course, you gotta play. You just gotta cross that off your list, but it's companion course is very good as well, called the Champions Course. And it was Weisskopf Moorish, redesigned a few years ago, much less expensive than the Stadium Course. Okay, you know, they don't have the Phoenix Open there, but it's a very good golf course with good facilities all the same. And then a final 36-hole com complex that you can't miss is a resort called the Boulders. And it's technically in the town of Carefree, just north of Scottsdale. And uh, I used to say that, well, you know, this is where Fred Flintstone would have played his golf uh, had he been a member out here because you have these prehistoric boulders that backdrop, you know, at least six of the holes on the South course and just stunning desert scenery, animals all around and including coyotes, including wild pigs called javelina out here. And um, so, you know, it's just funny. They're all 36 hole complexes in that very top tier. They're all located within 10 miles of each other. And uh, that's where I'd start if you were collecting trophy courses and said, money's no object for my dream Valley of the Sun Phoenix golf vacation. Yeah, that's something that I was going to mention too, is a lot of these places have 36 holes. Uh, you have the ability to, to play a lot of golf within a concentrated area. Uh, and a lot of them are resorts. So they're, they're very friendly to, um, your average player, uh, as well as have the option of doing much more than just play golf. There's plenty of casinos out there. A new one just got built at Wico Paw. Um, we played at talking stick, which is one of the few places anywhere where you have two core Crenshaw designs, um, that has a nice casino there as well. Um, and kind of what Joe was mentioning, you had, you think about desert golf as maybe being a one track kind of thing, but there's a place like talking stick where it's completely flat. And I talked to Bill core about this. It, he, he called it the place that he felt they had accomplished the most with the least amount to work with of anything they've ever done. Um, it's just nothing out there and you can see basically across the entire property, um, while you're out there. The, you mentioned the TPC Champions course. That was another one we got the chance to play. Uh, it's right across the parking lot from the stadium course. So you see that right there. But again, it was a really, really good, you know, it had a lot of variety. Um, it played right next to a private airport. So there's airplanes flying right over your head. I mean, literally, I think they, they have said there plenty of planes have gotten hit with golf balls because it's that close. Um, you've got the... Uh, what is it? The Mc, McDowell mountains there in yep. the background. Um, so a beautiful setting and th the closing holes were, were really, really fun. You got a drivable par four, uh, a nice par three over a Creek and then a gettable par five followed by a not so gettable par four over a Lake. I thought that was a, you know, when you're talking about these value type experiences, and if you're going to play the stadium course at TPC, I would definitely add the champions course to that. So you can get the full 
full flavor of that area right there. Um, one you didn't mention, as long as we're talking about value courses that I think has as much charm as any, and it's, it's not part of a 36-fold facility, it's not part of a resort, resort. it's actually a muni, uh, which is Papago Golf Club, and that's a, among a favorite of a lot of people in the Scottsdale area, has been so um, for quite a long time. It hosted the 1971 U.S. Amateur Public Links National Championship and has been a regular qualifying course for the, the Phoenix Open. It's also now the home of the Arizona State Sun Devils golf teams. Their facility, uh, backed by Phil Mickelson, was built out there. Uh, I'm sure you've probably played Papago quite a few times, and I know that made your, your home game article too. Um, what's special about that place? Well, Al, I first played Papago in April of 1980. Let that sink in. <laughs> and <laughs> what was amazing about Papago in those years, in the 1980s, that I'm not kidding, the demands on tea times were so strong because it was so cheap and so good during February, March, April, it was harder to get onto Papago than it was to get onto a private club here. That wasn't quite Bethpage Black, but it was still people waiting in their cars for the pro shop to open to go in and get their tea time. So this is a layout that has been long respected. Uh, it was a long golf course in its day, uh, measuring more than 7,000 yards back in the 1960s. Now, that's a terrific test back then. Since then, it's been stretched uh, after a redesign in 2009 to 7,333 yards. But it's such an interesting experience because it's a, I, I kind of call it a hybrid course. It's actually parkland, but it's got desert accents. So you have the Papago Buttes, these big rock formations behind some of the holes on the golf course. You can see uh, downtown into the valley, uh, the skyscrapers that occupy Phoenix. You've got different views in different directions just off the fairway that are desert. It's, it's not grass and it's not trees, but it's also not the lush shrubs and saguaro cactus that you get further north. So you get a taste of the desert, but it's still wall-to-wall -wall grass. So uh, for folks who just don't want every round to be just target golf, Papago number one is a great exception. Second, you get into value. You know, we're the first people to say, um, yeah, thanks for uh, helping out with the green fee here. I, you know, I'll write something nice about your golf course. Well, most people are paying for their golf and not everybody can afford a steady diet of $300 around in prime time. So to find a golf course like Papago, that's going to be something in the $120 range as a max, not only with a good test of golf, centrally located, and a terrific 19th hole, plus all the revamped practice facilities. I mean, I'll wave the flag for Papago all day long. Lou's Bar and Grill there at Papago is super cool. It's a patio and bar right uh in the clubhouse there looking at the Papago Buttes looking at the golf course and like you said you can see 
uh, downtown Scottsdale. It's about 15 minutes from the airport. Um, so th- this is a perfect little stop for anyone right when you get to Scottsdale or right when you're about to leave. Uh, I would add that one to your list. Before we talk about some other locations, uh, we, I mean, I was fortunate enough to stay at the, the Camelback Inn while I was in Scottsdale and the Fairmont Scottsdale Princess, some wonderful restaurants on those properties. We had dinner at Toro, a Latin restaurant at the Fairmont Scottsdale Princess was as much good food as you can eat in one sitting, you know, stuff your face. That place is incredible. Um, and so is Rita's Cantina there at Camelback uh, was really good too. Uh, but you're the expert on Arizona, I think, Joe, here. Um, so if you're going to go a couple places to eat while you're in town, do you have any recommendations there? Well, definitely. <laughs> I've, I've been eating out and eating in for a long, long time here, Al. <laughs> And, um, you know, uh, it, it's easy enough to get around, um, whether you're driving, whether you're Ubering or lifting. Um, so that, that's not really a concern. Great pattern. Everything's well lit. Um, my first choice uh, would be you're in Phoenix, Scottsdale, uh, or even if you're in Tucson, you got to try some good Mexican food. Even if you don't love Mexican food, you're here. You ought to try it. And uh, the range of Mexican food is from, you know, A to Z. Uh, They're just everything from pop-ups, you know, to, you know, to the gourmet. And, And one of the places I would recommend is at the Fairmont Scottsdale Princess in the gourmet category, which is La Hacienda by Richard Sandoval. He's a bit of a celebrity chef. Um, and it's really upscale Mexican. Um, in addition to some, you know, just truly amazing entrees, the tableside uh, homemade guacam- guacamole present, the presentation is fantastic. Um, they even have a tequila goddess uh, who will show you how to appreciate different tequilas and, uh, and, and go with flights of tequilas. And she's you know, knowledgeable and, and, uh, and, you know, and puts on a fun presentation. So um, I've been doing that place since the late 1980s and they've updated it several times, really nice fire pit outside. So um, that's, that's a vote here for on the upscale side for uh, the Fairmont Scottsdale Princess La Hacienda. Again, you know, Phoenix, I, I guess I've talked about it, you know, in different capacities um, it doesn't really even have uh, its own identity per se uh, for food because it's got everything here. We have so many transplants. We have so many tourists that anything you really want to find other than good, fresh tomatoes, uh, <laughs> you can find out here. But, um, you know, there's a couple other places that, that I will mention, you know, that I, I think are extra special. I mean, there's so many great steak places, but one place I think would be fun for people to try if you're into golf is Phil's Grill at Greyhawk Golf Club. Now you can get a great uh, hamburger there. They put it in a hot dog bun to honor the Olympic Club, which is the only other place along with Silverado that does that. But Navajo Navajo corn chowder soup, um, a goldfish bowl-sized margarita, 
but best of all for golf fans is they have Phil Mickelson memorabilia all over there. Phil started on tour in 1994 representing Greyhawk. And 27 years later, now 28, he still represents Greyhawk. It still says Greyhawk Golf Club on his golf bag. So check out the Phil stuff. It's all cool. The atmosphere is great. And the food and service is excellent at Greyhawk Golf Club. And uh, I'm probably out of time for any more recommendations. But, um, you know, I've, I've got more if you need them. We can follow up with a subsequent podcast solely dedicated to the food in Scottsdale. Um, if you want, if you have the time to do that later on, Joe, I, I know craft 64, it was this, uh, wood fire pizza restaurant with, you know, 30 some Arizona local craft beers on tap. That was another place we went, which was ridiculously good. Um, we could keep going, but, um, uh, for the, the sake of time, I think, uh, we've given enough recommendations on our part. Uh, what I wanted to talk to you lastly, Joe, I know, you know, Arizona is a big state and it's not just the golf in Scottsdale that draws people. What are some of the other cities that, that travelers should look to, uh, to play golf in Arizona outside of that main Phoenix Scottsdale area? Well, I'm glad you asked because, uh, Scott Phoenix Scottsdale gets all the love you know, generally speaking, from media and from tourists, but praising Arizona's second city, Tucson, uh, it's got to be done. Tucson's just a much smaller, slower pace than Phoenix. And it's got its own PGA Tour history with golf going back at the Omni Tucson National to the late 1960s. And they've got two golf courses at that resort, uh, the Catalina, which is the older one, and the Sonoran, which is the newer one. The old one is where all the tournaments are played, and the Champions Tour goes there these days. So that's a popular tournament uh, coming up here in six weeks or so, the Colagard Classic, and uh, gets a fantastic field. But um, that's wall-to-wall grass because it was built in the 60s. What you have, though, uh, at that golf course are mountain views that are as good or better than anything in Phoenix. And that's what makes Tucson special are the golf courses are closer to the huge mountains. And many of the mountains still have snow on them because of their height. And that makes for a really dramatic look in winter and in early spring. So besides Tucson, the Omni Tucson National as it's known these days, Ventana Canyon has two golf courses. The mountain and the canyon, both Tom Fazio designs, they're more desert golf. They were built in the late 1980s. And again, for the talk about a pure desert experience, um, again, just thick desert with all the cactus, all the rocks, and all the mountain views. So, you know, both outstanding. Um, Another course, uh, not the most exciting name, but it's apt, is called The Views at Oro Valley. And uh, that was a former Sun City project. Uh, so it was designed to be a little easier than, than some courses, but there's plenty of challenge. And again, outstanding mountain views, really good value. So Tucson's the one I wanna emphasize, not only for the mountain vistas and the slower pace, but also it's just less money. And um, you can find bargains in and around Phoenix, but for the trophy courses, 
Tucson does a little better on the wallet than Phoenix Scottsdale does. Realistically, could you combine a, a trip with Phoenix and Tucson? Are, are they close enough? I don't know the proximity exactly distance wise. It's from the North part of Phoenix, meaning North Scottsdale. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a little bit of a hike. Um, if that's where you're going to base. So then it's about two hours, two hours and 15 minutes to get to whatever Tucson's offering. Um, if you're south of town uh, in Phoenix and a little closer to Tucson, hour and a half, and it's a judgment call. Me personally, I don't think there's one course that's such a must play in Tucson that you say, yeah, leave Phoenix, Scottsdale for the day and go down and do it. But there are another reason for you, you know, to want to get to Tucson um, and, and combine it. Otherwise, I think they're two separate trips. You would have a wonderful drive on Highway 10, though, all the way down to Tucson. If, if that's your, your fancy, a nice desert drive through mountain and, and cactus views. But, but hey, maybe you make two trips out of it. If you love the state of Arizona enough that you want to come back and you want to see what else it has to offer. That's why we give you two different places to go. Al, I did my undergraduate there as well. I did four years at the University of Arizona. So I, I do have some strong Tucson ties. And, uh, you know, my brother-in-law, uh, Ken Cavanaugh, uh, lives there. He's designed a fair number of good golf courses. Uh, my sister is there as well. Um, but Arizona does have a couple of smaller cities, too, with completely different climates that most people don't think about when they come to Arizona. If you're interested, I'll share them with you. Yeah, go for it. Well, first of all, Sedona, Arizona is a must do. That's a side trip I would make if I were in Phoenix for a week. Now, if you don't want to go as far north of the four and a half, five hours to the Grand Canyon, but you want to see some really stunning, stunning scenery, then drive an hour to an hour and a half north to Sedona and uh, there's some terrific golf there as well, but it's called Red Rock Country. And it's uh, that, it's the color of the sandstone in that rock, which is very red. And it's just a terrific, unique look. Um, I haven't seen it, you know, quite like that in any other place, which is what travelers love to do. It's also known as a very spiritual place. Um, so people, uh, kind of observe and celebrate the harmonic convergence, and they do things with oils and incense and other things. But for golfers, um, there is a private club that you can access um, uh, now uh, in a couple of different ways called Seven Canyons that uh, is, is now managed by Troon. Um, again, just ridiculously beautiful views, uh, tightly packed in there. There is a golf course that is purely public called Sedona Golf Resort and some excellent holes there. A couple that are, you know, a little bit forgettable, but the reason you go there are for the holes that you'll never see anywhere else, such as the par three tenth, with the red rocks backdropping the green, big grassy slope to the left. I mean, you stand on the tee box and you go, wow, I have never seen anything like this. This is really awesome. And then there's a Trent Jones senior and junior course in town called Oak Creek Country Club. Um, not quite as many dramatic vistas, a few more trees on it, but um, absolutely worth your while while you're up there. 
And then finally, we have Northern Arizona. So if you picture Sedona, uh, well, let's picture Phoenix at about 2000 feet of elevation. That's where Scottsdale is. North, Skies, North Scottsdale gets up to about 2,800. Sedona is at about 4,000 to 4,500. Prescott is at 5,000 feet with some very good golf courses of its own. And then Flagstaff further north, 7,000 feet. There's no desert there. It's all pine trees, few hardwoods, but mostly pine trees. It's snow all winter. So if you're thinking about Arizona and you're thinking about a summer vacation and a place to go, Flagstaff has a number of terrific private club communities, Pine Canyon, Forest Highlands, Flagstaff Ranch, um, that you can go and have 78 degrees with low humidity in the height of summer. So not as much public access golf uh, up there, but a real plug for Flagstaff as a summer destination for folks. Yeah, and not to mention, you know, plenty of the the residential places that uh, we didn't mention earlier in in the Phoenix Scottsdale area. Your desert mountains, your Vistancias. Um, there is something for everyone who is looking for the best of golf in Arizona. Throwing our tagline in there. I mean, um, great every- great point, Al. And and in fact, uh, that's why Scottsdale golf grew like it did in the 80s and 90s. It's why you see homes on golf courses, because they took prime property. And the only way they could finance that is through real estate sales, developing communities. So a lot of our other bigger cities across the country have, you know, terrific private clubs and a lot of them. And many of them are core golf courses without real estate. Well, Phoenix Scottsdale blossomed much later than a lot of our other major cities. And, uh, and it was real estate that did it. And so we talk about those fantastic communities like Desert Mountain. I mean, seven golf courses, six clubhouses, and you know every amenity you could want, including the mountain views. Uh, Mirabel right across the street from it, Estancia nearby, and many, many others, goodness. Um, Real estate is a huge part of the uh, economy that boomed here over the last 40 years. So um, for private club golfers that are looking for the best of golf, definitely this is the place to look. Thank you for your expertise, Joe. Really appreciate it. I think we've given people plenty to to chew on uh, in Arizona, uh, both food and golf. Uh, And there's a lot of of state to see. So... um, Time your year around your trip to Arizona. There's good golf waiting for you when you get there. Um, Joe, I know you're you're there uh, permanently uh, as a a person who can certainly uh, vouch for what's there, and I appreciate you taking the time to do so today with us. Happy to help out, and uh, I'm always waving the flag for for my home state. Al, we look forward to seeing your return out here. Yeah, sounds good. Um, Can't come too soon. That's for sure. All right. All right. Thanks, Joe. Cheers.